0: Hello and welcome to another Out of the Archives podcast. I'm Caroline Jones, the Wellington College Archivist. I'm still working from home and I hope that you're all staying safe and well too. When I was looking for a topic for this podcast, I thought about what would be happening at Wellington around this time of year in the past. Now you might have thought that the answer would be nothing because it was the Easter holidays, but in fact that wasn't always the case. Looking back through the archives, it seems that for many years, in the 19th century and the earlier part of the 20th, Wellington operated on a later calendar than it does now. So, the Lent term generally didn't begin until the third week of January. The summer term sometimes went on until the end of July, and the autumn term often didn't start until the third week of September. Now, it's not so easy to find records of when the terms ended, and obviously the date of Easter itself is variable, sometimes earlier, sometimes later. But I've identified at least four occasions between 1904 and 1920 when the Easter weekend was in term time, so everyone was here in college for it. This does make sense of something that I'd previously read about Bertram Pollock, who was Master from 1894 to 1910, that on Easter Sunday, every student would go into chapel to find a personal card or message from the Master with Easter greetings on their seat. If they did have to spend Easter at college, he obviously wanted to make it special for them. I wonder whether today's students can imagine being at college for Easter instead of at home. Anyway... The reason that I found this out was because I was researching something else, which was a bit of a surprise. The fact that for many years, March and April were the traditional dates for Wellington to hold its athletics competition, commonly known as the athletic sports or just the sports. In fact, in some years they were actually held over the Easter weekend. Nowadays, we assume that athletics or track and field events, as you might call them, are a standard feature of the summer term. We associate them with hot, sunny weather, and many schools have their annual sports day in June or July. But for some reason, for the first 80 years of Wellington's existence, they were almost always held in the Lent term. I don't have an exact date for when they were first held, but a letter to the Wellingtonian in 1874 says that the athletic sports were first held 12 or 13 years ago. So that puts it to 1861 or 62, only two or three years after the college had opened. As I mentioned in my last podcast about the Kingsleys, Wellington had very little in the way of proper sports fields or tracks in those days, so everything was a bit rough and ready. The same letter says that the original mile race was run from the back gate on Sandhurst Road to the gate of the footpath near the station. So I'm guessing it was something like the current kilometre and a little bit more. Although the writer does note that the original mile was in fact 150 yards too short. From the records, it soon becomes clear that the sports consist of many heats for the various events, run over a period of two or three weeks, and then the finals held over two or three days. These finals were soon a bit of an event. Visitors would come and watch. Perhaps parents, certainly many old Wellingtonians and a band would play. But the fact that this was taking place in late March or early April meant that the weather was very different to the kind of weather we associate with such sports nowadays. Year after year, the reports in the Wellingtonian or the yearbook tell us this. For example, in 1875, the sports were held in the second week of March. The weather was raw in the extreme, a high wind sweeping over the ground from the north-east, to the evident discomfort of visitors and athletes alike. 1877. We had three fairly fine days for our sports. The snow, however, was as usual not to be denied, and we had twenty minutes of it on Saturday, that perhaps rather spoilt the time of the half-mile. In 1881, there was a letter to the Wellingtonians suggesting that the athletic meeting should be moved to the summer term. It refers to the rushing mighty wind which swept with resistless force across the bleak expanse of turf, and suggests that if the event were to be held in the summer, not only would the performances be far better, and colds and other maladies less frequent, but visitors also would derive greater pleasure from their visit to Wellington College. However the plea fell on deaf ears. In 1883 we read, March 8th to 10th were the days fixed for the athletics but owing to the inclemency of the weather they had to be postponed and continued on Monday the 12th. The high wind and wrong measurement of the course prevented the times of the long races from being very good. A few visitors were present on the first day but on account of the bitter cold wind and the heavy snow they did not appear on the following days. And so it continues, year after year you can read of rain, snow or hail being the order of the day. By the early 20th century it was normal for the competitors to wrap themselves up in rugs to try and stay warm between the heats. The report from 1906 says that the wind was driving pellets of frozen snow across the turf and the judges' hands were so cold that they could hardly record the names of those who passed the tape. The school, wrapped in party-coloured rugs, Looked cold but picturesque. The yearbook of nineteen ten contains some lovely line drawings of a competitor muffled up in his scarf and coat with a rug wrapped around his waist and a judge wearing a long overcoat. The nineteen thirteen report mentions on different days, storms of sleet driven across the turf, pelting rain, a very violent thunderstorm, and it says that the pit for the long jump resembled a black rice pudding. That same year, a poem appeared in the March edition of The Wellingtonian. It's called A Grumble, and it reads... It's going to snow. There's the pistol. Well run, sir. The other's in first. Well done, sir. Now where do we go? I can't see the jumps, and the wind's straight in my face, sir. Those ladies are in the wrong place, sir, horrid old frumps. Why do they wait so long? I can't see half the track, sir. I'm being poked in the back, sir, and the hail's very strong. I'm quite out of sorts, and we haven't scored a mark, sir, and the band's like a terrier's bark, sir. I don't like the sports. With all of that, you can't help but wonder why they never considered having the sports in the summer term, but it seems that they didn't. Occasionally, If there was a particularly bad outbreak of flu or measles in the Lent term, the sports would be deferred, but then in general they moved them to the beginning of the autumn term, which in those days meant late September. The main reason for this seems to have been a feeling that in the summer term it would interfere with the cricket, which was the main focus of that term. It is true that the athletics were generally held on turf, which of course in the summer was needed for cricket. But it doesn't seem to have occurred to anyone that perhaps they could have held the sports on big side during the summer. I can only find two years, 1900 and 1915, when the sports took place in May, and they were definitely seen as anomalies. Now you might be wondering what kind of events were included in the sports. <clears throat> well the earliest list I can find is from 1870, and it consists of hurdle racers of a hundred yards and 150 yards both comprising eight flights or hurdles. Flat races of 100 yards, 200 yards, a quarter mile, half mile, mile, and two miles. A quarter mile hurdle handicap. A walking race of three miles. The race for old Wellingtonians, which was a quarter mile. The high jump, long jump, which in those days was called wide jump or broad jump jumping with pole, I suppose what we call pole vaulting, throwing the cricket ball, throwing the hammer, which weighed 16 pounds, and a consolation stakes, presumably for those who hadn't won anything else, which was a quarter-mile handicap. Something that might seem strange to us is that the junior and senior races were divided by height, not by age. So the 100 and 200-yard races each had three divisions, Competitors under 4 foot 10, those under 5 foot 2, and open. I wonder whether you think that's more or less fair than dividing them by age. In 1872, a letter to the Wellingtonian suggested that this should be changed to division by age, but in fact that didn't happen for another 22 years. The letter also suggested that the hurdles race should be brought into line with leading athletics clubs by being 120 yards long, with 10 hurdles, which should be three inches higher than those used at Wellington. And that change was adopted the very next year. The list of events stayed basically the same for 50 years or more, but there were a few alterations. For example, in 1877, the walking race was reduced from three to two miles. And in 1889, it disappeared altogether. In 1883, putting the weight, or the shot as we would now call it, replaced throwing the hammer. Throwing the cricket ball came and went. It was more often included than not, but usually there's some editorial comment about it not really fitting because it's the Lent term and no one has had any practice playing cricket. Throwing at a stump makes an appearance in 1878 for one year only. In 1886, the pole jump was discontinued, not to reappear until the modern era. Over the years, there have also been a few attempts at including less serious novelty races, but they weren't very long-lasting. In 1886, there was a three-legged race and a sack race. The sack race reappeared in the 1890s, but soon it was being criticised. In 1895, the master presented the athletics shield which was awarded to the house which gained the most overall points from places in the sports. And it was felt unfair that they could get points for a sack race, which counted the same as the serious events. The sack race disappeared in 1902. Obstacle races also appear now and then. First in 1883, when we read, The final event was quite a novelty, being a half-mile obstacle race open to members of the Rifle Corps run in full marching order. That's to say, members of the CCF dressed in full kit. That was a one-off. But then in 1894, there were two obstacle races, one open and the other under five foot four. The obstacles included a maze, barrels to crawl through, ladders, fence, planks and hurdles. The yearbook reported that these races caused a great deal of laughter and made the sports much more amusing to the visitors than they usually are. Despite this, there were no obstacle races the next year. They had a short period of popularity again, between 1902 and 1906, but then disappeared forever. A novelty that I can find mentioned only once in 1911, but which may have taken place more often, was the band race. This was handicapped according to the size of the instruments, which had to be played as the competitors raced. We read that, as usual, there was much shedding of caps, by the way, an argument as to what playing an instrument meant. It ended in a dead heat between the trombone and the euphonium. In a class of its own is the old Wellingtonian race, which happened every year and seems to have been taken quite seriously. It began as a quarter mile race, but in 1872, a letter appeared in the Wellingtonian recommending that it should be shorter. The writer goes into detail in his argument and you can't help feeling he might have a personal axe to grind here. He says, it is quite impossible for untrained men to compete with trained men in a quarter-mile race, whereas in a shorter race condition would be of nothing like so much importance. Secondly, it must be borne in mind that many OWs, having no time to prepare themselves for the race, object to start and be disgracefully beaten by a man in reality much inferior to themselves. Finally, athletics are supposed to be an amusement, not a means of shortening one's life. Whereas it is an undeniable fact that to run a severe race over a quarter mile or upwards in an untrained condition is really dangerous. His argument seems to have been successful because shortly afterwards, the race was shortened to 150 yards, less than half the previous distance. In the earlier years, it seems that old Wellingtonians who'd only just left school and were now at Army College would turn up and run seriously in running kit. But as time went on, the average entrant in the OW race seems to have got older. In 1890, it was specified that the race must be run in cloth clothes. I take that to mean everyday clothes rather than running kit. And we do have some wonderful photos of middle-aged men running in their shirt sleeves and waistcoats. In 1899, the race went down to 100 yards, although the 1902 yearbook commented that even 50 yards seems too long to most, and suggested that there should be a prize for the best-dressed competitor. By 1924, the OW competitors were allowed a yard head start for every year since they'd left college. The race finally seems to have ended in the 1930s, But by then, there was an O.W.s versus school athletics match on speech day, so the O.W.s still had an outlet for their competitive nature. As I've said, when the sports started, they were distinctly rough and ready in nature, quite different to what we would expect now. In the early years, there are several comments about spectators straying onto the course, sometimes running alongside the competitors, crowding around the finish and obscuring it, and so on. In 1879, a letter to the Wellingtonian suggested that the school should buy a stopwatch in order to make timing the races more accurate. The reply was, There is no stopwatch belonging to the school, and if there were, the meddling with it of those who do not understand its working would do more harm than good. However, by the next edition, the editors have changed their minds, perhaps because there'd been a discrepancy of a minute in the winning time recorded for the two mile race. Accordingly, the next year the old Wellingtonians at Cambridge clubbed together and presented a stopwatch to the school. In 1883 there were two letters to the Wellingtonian suggesting that the races should be started by a pistol rather than the stewards shouting, Are you ready? Go. This request was still being made for several years following. They finally acquired a pistol eight years later, in 1891. In 1903, the stewards and judges were equipped with a megaphone for the first time. On photos and drawings, it looks enormous. That must have helped them with the organisation a bit. As we move into the 1920s, we start to see more changes. 1921 saw the first inter-house relay race over a total distance of one mile. The next year reduced to three quarters of a mile. In 1925, an athletic sports committee was formed to discuss various changes to the sports. For example, they reduced the weight of the shot-put from 16 to 14 pounds. From 1928 onwards, the houses were responsible for running their own heats to decide on their candidates for the finals. But it's in the 1930s that we see the really big changes. In 1935, many more relay races were introduced. The yearbook reported that this was in general a success, although the two-mile relays were definitely dull and protracted, whilst the 400 yards relay was difficult to appreciate and hard to see. In 1936, an athletic club was formed at college to train the students in modern techniques of running and jumping, as they had until then been using quite old-fashioned methods, and also to teach new events such as discus and javelin. Then, in 1937, the date finally changed. The yearbook reported that... The sports are no longer a party held in the Easter term but are more in the nature of a non-stop variety show to which almost everybody contributes in the summer term. There were now several different competitions. The house competition, known as Standards, which was held throughout the summer term and the performance of every boy in the dormitory counted, and then the athletic shield was awarded to the winning one. Individual sports, which were held near the end of term, and the Challenge Cup, or Victor Ludorum, awarded. And a separate relays competition, which had junior, middle and open sections. As this was the summer term, all of the events were now held on Rockies, so that turf could be used for cricket. This reorganisation seems to have had quick results. One was that the standard within college improved, which was the aim. The 1938 yearbook says that the individual sports of that year were by far the most successful of recent years. This is primarily due to the new system which allows people to have much more practice in their events. Results speak for themselves. Nine records were broken and three equaled. The second result, perhaps as a consequence of this, was that we started taking part in athletics matches against other schools. And as we go through into the 1940s and beyond, the focus really shifts to these. They're seen as much more important than the competitions within college. By 1950, I think there may no longer have been an individual sports tournament within college, although the inter-house competition continued. It was also noted that college didn't do well against other schools at the start of the summer term and suggested that the athletes needed to start training earlier to remedy this. In 1957, the advice was to get the best results in the throwing events, performers must start practising much earlier than the beginning of the summer term. They should do weight training to strengthen the muscles of their shoulders and legs. Practice the rhythm of throwing without throwing far and work up their footwork. All of this can be done in spare time during the Lent term without interference with any other activity, even if it's for a short period each week. And by 1960, that was definitely what was happening. Perhaps all that sounds more familiar to modern athletes. So all in all, a lot has changed over the last 150 years. I hope that you've enjoyed looking back on how different things were in the early days of athletics at Wellington. I'll be back with another podcast in a couple of weeks.